Uh, good morning. I want to welcome you to Mount Olive today. So glad you're here with us. Uh, we've been in a series, if you've been attending regularly, you know, but if you're brand new, you don't, uh, entitled Surround Sound, Hearing God. And I have some good news for you today. The good news is, I bet at some point in your life, wherever you are at on the faith journey, maybe you're not even on the journey to faith, uh, maybe you've been walking in faith a long time, but I bet at some point in your life, there's been a desire within you to hear from God. Desire to say, God, if you're real, would you just show up? God, would you just speak in this situation? And here's the good news. You have a heavenly father that has revealed himself to you, that has shown himself to you, and a heavenly father who wants you to hear from him. A father in heaven who has gone to great lengths so that you could and can hear from him. And so that's some good news, because for all of us who are like, God, are you around? God, could I hear from you? You have a heavenly father who wants you to hear from him. So uh, in this series, we've explored a few ways, not all the ways, but some of the maybe main ways that God often speaks to us. And just to kind of recap a little bit, we've seen that God uh, speaks by his spirit to us. And because God is spirit, he speaks by his spirit to us. And that's often to our spirit, which means it's not often a loud, audible voice. It's often more like a prompting. It's a, a nudge. It's a conviction within our heart and our soul. It's a whisper. It's a still, small voice. And we can learn to hear his voice as he speaks to us by his spirit. We also see that God speaks to us by his word. Uh, this helps us to understand when we have a nudge or an inclination in our spirit to know, is that actually from God? Because <laughs> sometimes like, I don't know if that's just my heart speaking or if that's God speaking to my heart. And so the word of God, the scriptures have been given to us uh, and we know that we can uh, uh, see through them how God speaks and anything God will speak will be consistent with what he's already spoken. And so God speaks by his word, which would mean if we want to hear him speak, we may need to make an investment an investment into his word, the scripture. And then thirdly, we've seen that God sometimes uh, speaks through people. Though not always audible from his voice, we hear his word through an audible voice through the lips of others. And again, uh, this can be dangerous, but because we have God's word, we can also filter through what people say when they say, God told me. It's like, ah, did God say that? It's got to be consistent with his word, but we can't throw it out because God throughout history has often spoken through the audible voice of other human beings. So God speaks in these different ways. As I said, these aren't all the way God speaks. In scripture and in history, we see that God often speaks through visions and dreams and circumstances and situations to get our attention. God speaks in many different uh, ways, but he definitely speaks through these ways. Today, what I want to do is I want to uh, look at a question. And the question is, how is it or is there something we can do? Is there human responsibility for us? If God wants us to hear his voice and has gone to great lengths for us to hear his voice, is there anything that is on us, on our responsibility for us to hear his voice more clearly? Is there anything we can do to turn up the volume or maybe in contrast, to turn down the volume of his voice. And it appears from scripture that there is. There is human responsibility. Now, 
Pastor Larry Osborne has talked about this principle that he sees in scripture, and I would agree with him. He calls it the dimmer switch principle. And it's this idea that uh, as we do life, there are things in our court that can either turn up the light or turn down the light of God. And I would uh, extend this further to the sound of hearing God. This dimmer search principle is seen a little bit in uh, Proverbs chapter four, where the writer of Proverbs says, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter. There's this ongoing, continuing light that keeps getting brighter and brighter till the full light of day. This is the path of the righteous. And the writer of Proverbs speaks about the contrast as well. If this is the path of the righteous, that's this, 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 this journey of brighter and brighter till the, light, the full light of day. In contrast, but the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. And so there's this, this dimmer switch principle. The path of the righteous, it seems the light keeps getting brighter. And the path of the wicked, it seems like the light just keeps going out. So what is the human responsibility as we think God is speaking and has spoken in the world, making himself known to us? What would he say is on us as we respond to that, to hearing his voice more clearly? Well, I want you to turn your uh, Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. And on a number of different occasions, Jesus used this interesting statement. And it was often after he taught, gave some sort of teaching, he would give this statement. It comes up in a number of times in our gospel uh, writings at different points. He says this, and it, it shows up in chapter 13, verse 9 of Matthew. He says, whoever has ears, let them hear. And it's always a bit of a confusing statement because we think, doesn't like 98% of the people in the world that have been created have ears? What does Jesus mean when he says, whoever has ears, let them hear? Apparently, Jesus thinks that there's people who have ears that cannot hear, and there's people who have ears and they can hear. And what is the difference? Why is it that some people who have ears don't really fully hear and others who have ears seem to hear? And it seems, at least in this context, that he's talking about a different kind of hearing, hearing the voice of God. Well, Jesus, or actually Matthew continues the story and he says this, the disciples came to him, that's Jesus, and they asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? Parables are stories that, that teach a lesson. And in Jesus' case, he taught a lot in parables. And they were uh, stories that often taught a spiritual lesson regarding the kingdom of God or the character of God. And Jesus would tell a story and say, here's, here's what your heavenly father is like. Or he would tell a story, a parable, here's how the kingdom of God looks and here's how it functions and here's how it works. And Jesus has just told a parable, so we're kind of jumping in the middle of a, of a story. Jesus has told a parable to the crowds. It's the parable of the sower and the seed, and you may know the story. If you don't, I'll just briefly, we're not focusing on the parable itself, but the parable is where Jesus says, a sower went out to sow seed. He throws it all over the place. Some lands on a path. It doesn't really take. Some lands on rocky soil, so there's a little bit of soil and rock underneath. Didn't really survive. Some seed fell on, uh, among the weeds. It got choked out, and then some seed fell on 
on good soil and it produced an amazing crop. And so Jesus has just told this parable and then he ends the parable by saying, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And the disciples come to him and say, so why do you keep speaking in parables? Because it's confusing, right? The crowds would hear these and they'd go away and what was that all about? And sometimes it was even confusing to the disciples because they would pull Jesus aside and say, what do you mean by that parable? It wasn't always all that clear. And so they, they asked him like, why don't you just tell us straight up, straight up, why do you speak in, par in parables? And listen to Jesus's response. He replied, because, here's why, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. When Jesus says the knowledge, he, he's, he's meaning the ability to know, the ability to perceive, the ability to understand, the ability to know and perceive and understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you and not to them. Who are the you and them? Well, when Jesus told this parable of the sower and the seed, which is the context, he's been preaching to the crowds. And after preaching to the crowds, his disciples come aside to him and say, why do you speak to the people in parables? And so the you undoubtedly is the disciples. The them presumably is the crowds. And Jesus says, some things have been given to you, the disciples, that has not been given to the crowds regarding the knowledge, the understanding of the kingdom, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. The disciples of Jesus gained understanding and knowledge about God's kingdom that those who did not choose to follow Jesus would miss out on. The disciples of Jesus heard God's voice in a way that others could not hear God's voice. Jesus makes a distinction as it relates to those who had ears to hear between those who said yes to Jesus and those who would not say yes to Jesus, which is why he says, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. And then Jesus says this, this is so interesting. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. To me, when I, whenever I've heard this, I always thought that's so mean, <laughs> right? Like you're just gonna, you're gonna give the haves even more and the have nots even less? What are you getting at? What Jesus is saying is, here's a principle of life. And we actually understand this principle of life in many different other areas of life. The principle of life goes something like this. If you don't use what you got, you lose what you have. And we know this to be true in scholastics. We know this to be true of language. We know this to be true of physical exercise, right? We just accept this rule, right? For some of you, if you're around 35 to 40 years old, maybe 45, uh, at some point in the last little while, a child of yours, and you have kids, who's about grade seven to nine, came to you and said, I need some help with my math. 
And in that moment, you're like, I did grade seven math. And you sit down with your kid and you look at it and you think, oh shoot, oh shoot, I gotta Google that because I lost it. Why? Because you don't work in the area of mathematics every day, right? You're like, I put seed in the ground or I work with wrenches or I, I don't know, right? Like, I just don't do that. And, and what you know to be true is you had it, but you stopped using it and now you lost it, right? It just happens. The same is true of language. If you grew up speaking a language and then, or learned a language and then moved to another country where you never used that language in 30, 40 years, all of a sudden you're like, I just can't speak that language the way I used to. Why? Because you stopped using it. And we know this to be true physically, right? I mean, if you have like been working out and you're like, I'm as healthy as can be, and you decide for two to three years to just sit on the couch and eat chips and chocolate bars, you will lose what you had, okay? It is guaranteed. You will, not, you will gain some things you didn't have, <laughs> but you will lose some of what you had, right? And this is the principle which we understand. But Jesus uses this principle of life and he applies it to an area that maybe we're not as comfortable with. And the principle is this, if you don't apply by faith what has been given to you you cannot well receive what more is coming. If you do not apply by faith what God has already given you, which always looks like a posture of reception, you are not in a position to receive what more is coming. And which is why Jesus says, whoever has Whoever has received has a posture of reception. What has been given to you, disciples, is not given to them because why? You have come to me with a posture of reception. Whoever has will be given more because they can receive and they'll have an abundance. But whoever does not have because they will refuse to receive what's been offered, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why Jesus says, this is why. I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see, and though hearing, they do not hear or understand. When Jesus uses the word see, it means to see, to perceive, to understand. When he uses the word hear, it means to hear, literally to listen to and, get this, obey. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not really hear or understand. You know this. Again, if you're a parent of teenagers, you know this because at some point in the last week, your child was downstairs playing video games and you went to them. You said, hey, can you take out the trash? Yeah. And you're thinking, did they hear me? Five minutes later, Hey, can you take out the trash? Yeah, got it, got it. And you're like, did they hear me? And the answer is yes and no, right? They heard the audible voice coming from your lips, but they did not hear you, right? This is what happens in our home all the time. My wife knows if the Oilers game is on, she may as well just not talk while the Oilers game is on because I'm like, yep. Yeah. I'm like, did we have that conversation, right? It's like, I was distracted. I heard noise but I did not hear, I did not pay attention, I did not apply the truth. 
And then Jesus says this, and it's so interesting. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. And we heard, actually, Josh read uh, Isaiah chapter 6, this calling of the prophet Isaiah. He stopped, though. He stopped before he, he says what Jesus is about to quote. Because God calls Isaiah, and then he gives this message to Isaiah, which is for the people of Israel, 700 years before Jesus came. But now Jesus says, ah, 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 actually, that prophecy was actually descriptive of me and my ministry, not just Isaiah and his ministry. And Isaiah and, and Jesus had a similar ministry in this area. They were both prophets. And here's what prophets do. They speak to the people for God. God gives them a message and they are the mouthpiece of God to the people. And Isaiah would be a prophet speaking God's word through a person to the people. And Jesus also came as a person speaking audibly the voice of God to the people. And here's the prophecy that was fulfilled. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. It's like you heard it, but you could not make sense of this. Why? Why would the nation be this way some 700 years before Jesus come? And why does he say this is true of the crowds, the thems, not the yous? Here's why. For, which means this is why. For this people's hearts has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Here's the thing about calluses. They can be good and bad. Sometimes calluses are good, right? Because they uh, prevent us from pain. Calluses come because of something that happens repeatedly. And then you build up immunity or some sort of defense mechanism against it. When I first started to play guitar, uh, it hurt my fingers. Like it was like fire. I'd play for five minutes, but oh, my fingers are so incredibly sore. But after a few weeks of doing the same thing over and over, guess what my skin started to do? build up defense mechanisms called a callus. And the pain was no longer there. So calluses can be good, but they can also be bad. And in this sense, the callus became hard because they kept hearing God's word. But when you don't apply what you've just heard, you start to begin to build up immunity to the message that has been given. And your heart starts to become hard because the message keeps hitting but it's never received and calluses start to build. And this is why, this is why they could not understand. Do you see the human responsibility? He goes on to say, otherwise, showing their responsibility again, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and what? Turn. And I would heal them. But blessed are you, speaking to the disciples, because uh, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. In this sense, Jesus describes the prophets and the righteous people of old before Jesus came who looked ahead and they had a posture of reception. They were putting their faith in God and they longed to see this day. And Jesus says, you disciples, you in the first century who got to see me and hear me speak, you are blessed because you had the same posture as them. But you've actually been able to hear my words. To summarize it, our receiving of God's word through obedience to it 
opens our ears to hear his voice more clearly. God has spoken in our generation. God has spoken in our world. He has made himself known to us. And he continues to speak because God wants you to hear from him. It's why he sent his son Jesus to break down the barrier that kept you from your father in heaven, your own sin. But our receiving, there is human responsibility. Our receiving of God's word through obedience opens our ears to hear his voice more clearly and the opposite is true as well. That our rejection of his word through disobedience closes our ears and this is what he says, they hardly hear, they have closed their eyes. Our rejection of his word through disobedience closes our ears and keeps us from hearing his voice. Let me give you two examples Another from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. Ezekiel, another prophet, lived around the same time as Isaiah, said, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, you are living among a rebellious people. They have eyes to see, but do not see, and ears to hear, and do not hear. Why, prophet Ezekiel? Here's why. For they are a rebellious, do you see? They have stopped being receptive, and they cannot hear the voice of God. Their hearts have become calloused. It just kept hitting them over and over, but they did not receive it. And suddenly they became immune to it. Our receiving of God's word through obedience opens our ears to hear more clearly. Here's the New Testament example. Romans chapter one, Apostle Paul describes the situation of the world, big picture, macro picture, which we can apply our own story to, but he gives it in a big, broad picture. He describes the world this way. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness, all the godliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now, we can read this and misunderstand some things about our Father in heaven. We can read this and think God is against people, and that is not what Paul said, and it's not true. God is not against people. God is for People. This is the gospel story. That's why he sent his son, Jesus, to take the wrath of God, not against people, but against the what? Godlessness and wickedness of people. God took the wrath of God. Jesus took the wrath of God upon himself because when we side with godlessness and wickedness, then we have become enemies of God. God is not against people. He's against what kills people, what destroys people. He's against sin. But unfortunately, when we are steeped in sin and we have all been born in sin, then we have become enemies of God. And yet God sent his son to take the wrath for us. But then he says this, who suppress the truth by their wickedness. You can only intentionally suppress something you already know is true. And this is how Paul describes the world. They already knew it was intentional suppression of the truth. That's what he says next. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, meaning they already knew, but they suppressed it intentionally. How did they know? Because God has made it plain to them. How did God make it plain to them? Here's what he says. Four. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. God has already shouted from all creation, this is who I am. Would you receive it? 
But look at their response. Four, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God or gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Do you see how they were given the light and their response to the light turned the light down? Though they understood, they hardened their hearts. They could no longer hear the word of God. And therefore, Paul says, here was the outcome. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts. Because God will not force you into relationship with him. God will invite you and he has invited you to hear his voice, but he will not force you. And for these and for those who continually go their own way, eventually wisdom says, and God is a wise God, wisdom says, here's how you respond to fools. Eventually you just stop talking. In fact, the writer of Proverbs said it that way. Do not speak to fools, for they will scorn your prudent words. At some point along the journey, you just stop talking. And I wonder if some point along the journey, as God speaks to us and speaks to us, and we continually scorn his words, acting foolishly in that moment, if God says, maybe I should just stop talking. But here's my hunch about God. I love this. God is not only wise, he is also merciful and gracious. He does not give up on us. And he continues to pursue us and continues to bring his word and his light to us. As an invitation, will you respond? It's like in the book of Acts, the writer Luke describes Paul's conversation in the city of Athens with the unbelievers there. And he describes how God created the world and put these things in seasons and times and all these things in places. And then he said, God did this, why? So that you might reach out to him and find him because God is not far from any one of us. And you can read that in Acts 17, 27. God has not forced us into relationship, but he did all these things. He's made himself known so that we might reach out to him and find him. And then Paul says, but he's not far from any one of us. Our receiving of God's word through obedience to it opens our ears to hear his voice more clearly. So I want to ask you today, are you hearing the voice of God? Are you hearing his voice? And I want to submit to you the place where it starts is where Jesus started. And he made a distinction between them and you. And what he was saying is, are you those, are you one who has received the word of God as it's come through the person of Jesus? Have you submitted your life to him? In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 The writer of Hebrews says that in the past, God spoke through prophets and in various ways at various times. But now in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. If you have not received Jesus as your savior and Lord, you are still counted among the thems. God has invited you to be counted among the yous, being called a child of God, but it is through faith in Jesus. It is responding to the call of God, the prompting of God in your life saying, will you submit your life to me? 
Will you receive the forgiveness of your sins through my son, Jesus, and his work on the cross? If you haven't done that, I wanna invite you today. Today is your day of salvation. Today is your day. Place your faith in Jesus. Be counted as a child of God. But it continues from there, doesn't it? Because we do not only admit that we're sinners and believe in Jesus as our savior, he is also Lord, which is a call to commit our ways to him, a call to walk in a posture of hearing his voice by responding to it. So I want to ask you today, are there areas in your life right now? Maybe there's an area of your life where you say, God, I just want you to speak. God, would you just come and speak? And God's saying, I'm going to speak to you on the things you don't know yet. But first, I want you to respond to the things that you do know. And are there some areas in your life where you know, and I'll have to bring it up, God's spirit, because he speaks to you, has already been convicting you. And you know there's that relationship that it's the way of godlessness, not the way of godliness. And you know God's been impressing on your heart. It's just time to follow through. And maybe for you, there's a seed, a root of bitterness that's growing up, and God's been convicting you. God, would you just speak to me on the things I don't know? And he says, yeah, but what about the things you know? You want to hear my voice more clearly, but you first have to step into obedience to what you already know. Maybe there's an area where you're cheating or not speaking full truth to your boss. I don't know what God is impressing on you. But would you respond in faith and obedience? Because God is speaking. But as we receive his word through obedience, it turns on the light a bit brighter. It allows us to hear his voice a bit more clearly. Because he's speaking. The question we have to ask, are we responding to what he has spoken? Interestingly enough, um, just some real life stories. I had a friend I grew up with who grew up in the church, Sunday school with me, learning God's stories. And he intentionally suppressed the truth and he would say that. Walked away from his faith for a season. And we had conversations and he said, you know, it's interesting. I forget so much of what I learned. It's like it just disappeared. It's like the light went out. And I know because I've heard stories from people in our own community who have walked away from faith and, and then started coming back. And, and one individual said, it's so interesting. Things I learned before that I had forgotten, it's like they come flooding back as I've stepped into obedience to Christ again. It's like I'd lost it, but now God is just, he's bringing it back in a fast, fast way. But he had responded in obedience the call of God. You know, Jesus said, to those who have, even more will be given, and to those who do not, even what they have will be taken. May we be counted among those who have our hands out in a posture of reception, saying, God, I will obey on the things that I know, and the things I don't know, I'll wait for you to speak. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how it challenges us. Um, it cuts, as your word even says, it cuts to the, the core, to our own hearts. And Father, I don't know how this lands on each of us, um, but if there's an area of conviction that we know your spirit is speaking,
Um, I imagine right now there's a battle going on because um, it's hard in my life. I know it's hard in our lives to truly submit, put ourselves under your direction. And that we can justify our decisions and the pathway that we chose and we have reasons for it. And it can be hard just to come before you and say, God, forgive me. I want to go your way. So, Father, may we be those who submit to you. You are our Savior. And we also declare today, not with words, but in our act of obedience, that you are our Lord. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.